Oh, my knee. Oh, this is stupid. Why did I come down here? That's, uh, what was that? That's what, what, oh, why did I think I could come down into the game? Just theory catacombs all by myself without a light. This, wait a minute, what's that? Is that, is that some light? Hey, 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 over here, over here, you, quick, yeah, over, it's, hey, oh, it's you, Che, thank goodness, oh, Che, thank goodness you came down here, I've, and you brought some torches and lanterns, oh, thank, I'm so glad to see you, Che, I've been down here for two days all by myself, that was stupid of me to think I could come down here all by myself without any light or a dark vision, I've been standing here for two hours, terrified of moving, thinking I was going to stand in a spike pit or something, it's just stupid of me, but oh, I'm so glad you've come here and lit things and, uh, that's not so bad now you've lit the torches, is it? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Why did I come to the Game Theory Catacombs all by myself? It's, uh, oh, I, I met this sage, he called himself SeanKReynolds.com Never heard a name quite like that before. I don't know if it's his title or something. But uh, He said there was an artefact. The lost survey of the Wizards of the Coast, he said. He said it held the secrets of the four types of roleplayers and the eight core values of roleplaying. And he said it was down here somewhere and I just thought I'd try and find it myself. Um, I couldn't borrow your lantern, could I? It might be, it might be down here still. No? Yeah, you're probably right probably better to get out of here. Yeah, well, thanks for the rescue, though, Che. I, I really appreciate it. If you say the real life is of your days and you don't have time to play well, midlife is the best time to start a new role-playing phase My name is Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. What better way to start a podcast episode, eh? Thank you, Safer from Safer Fantasy Crafting Podcast, for that fantastic introduction to today's show, and obviously a fantastic response to episode one of this season, for which I am hugely grateful. And you're not the only one to comment positively, so thank you so much for that. Today, I'm going to do Vox Populi. I really just wanted to play various call-ins that have come in over the last several weeks, respond to some of them, let the rest stand on their own, and yeah, kind of put it together. So without any further ado, this is Season 7, Episode 3, Vox Populi. It's Arlen again. I am about uh, a third to a quarter of the way into season three, but I didn't call in for the end of season two. So I thought I'd uh, call in and and mention a couple of the things that I notice about um, the podcast doing it from the the beginning. The big one is it's been really interesting hearing your um, GM journals, especially kind of in light of some of the later ones that I've listened to and knowing sort of some of the games that you 
have run and have been uh, interested in. It was uh, particularly one of the recent ones you were talking about trying to decide on like a, a one game that you could get really good at. And it seems like that uh, on some level, you, you talked a little bit about GURPS in that one, but obviously I know that you have ended up kind of uh, – getting pretty into GURPS as a system after that particular discussion. Um, so that's been, I think, really interesting. It's been interesting hearing about your thoughts of uh, what type of a, a dungeon master you are, about your buying into the the player agency theory of fun and um, all of that. That's been uh, – and, and even it's been nice to hear, you know, I <laughs> – I'm sorry to hear that you've gone through so many struggles of kind of rough patches with gaming and, and feeling like you don't have enough time to prep enough and that it, you know, it, uh, I, I would hope for your sake that you don't go through all those things all the time. Although I suspect that it happens more often than not, but it's been really good to hear that somebody else goes through that. Cause I, I too, you know, um, can be kind of a flaky GM and can have to cancel when I'm just feeling underprepared. So it's been nice to hear that, uh, you know, somebody, somebody sharing that experience, even if it's not a positive one. And then I thought it was really, um, the, the last one I've listened to is your, um, dungeon world interview with, um, Yochai Gall. I hope that I'm saying the name right. I, it, it was, you know, an hour long. So I think you said it at the beginning and then I forgot if that's not how you say it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really interesting to talk about Dungeon World in light of some of what we have been talking about with kind of immersion and methodology versus mechanics versus world. Because Dungeon World to me is a really great example of where methodology can come from for any game um, so much, I think, and, and, and it was discussed in the episode too, that a lot of what goes on in GMing dungeon world is sort of what really good GMs just naturally do, right? That the GM moves and fronts and some of the, the specific ideas about, what you need to prep and all that sort of stuff. That's all sort of involved in what good GMs do, um, even if they haven't kind of read Dungeon World, um, as methodology, right? That you can apply those sort of lessons to all sorts of games. You can use – fronts are a great example. You can use fronts in in basically anything where the there are, you know, non-player actors in the world who have – uh, goals and designs and the ability to make those designs come to fruition. Um, so fronts are sort of a really clever idea that doesn't depend on dungeon world itself necessarily to run. Um, which I think is a really interesting place to talk about the difference between methodology and mechanics, um, and to kind of analyze because those two go hand in hand so often, at least as they're presented, I think uh, sometimes there's a, um, a sort of confusion almost. There's a, a sort of confusion of methodology for mechanics and mechanics for methodology that um, 
goes on in these gaming books like especially when they describe like one methodology and this is the methodology for this game and act like it's something mechanical when it's not necessarily um but i i just really thought i think dungeon world is a great example of a book with a lot to say about methodology and um i i thought i would comment on that since we've been sort of discussing that concept too so, Arlen Walker, live from Pelham's Wasteland, kicking us off today. Thank you, Arlen, for going back through the entire back catalogue. And for the listener, I just wanted to let you know that you're going to hear quite a few messages from Arlen today. Um, it's a great thing, actually, that someone has taken the time to go back through the, the back catalogue. Arlen's not the first. I'm, I'm hope he wouldn't be the last because there are so many good things that I have talked about. And it's lovely to be reminded of them. And I wanted to thank you for that. On the point of methodology, I just wanted to pick up on that because I think this is something that is a seed of something that was perhaps planted back in season three that has kind of begun to bear fruit for me now. And this is this idea that the rules and methodology are separate elements which often blur and blend in people's minds, just like you said, Arlen. And uh, it's very important for us to think about those things separately and consider each carefully. And that's kind of the journey I'm on right now, I suppose. So lovely for you to pick up on that point thank you so much for the call in and next up i got a bit of a random one from frank turfler wow that's a lot to think about in terms of other world immersion and how you know how would that work i think what we're talking about is levels or modes of play you know i don't think I think you can have guidelines, right? Um, I'd be less inclined to buy a book that Daniel is talking about uh, that includes rules as well as a, a, a game uh, setting or however you want to put it. But I'd, uh, I'd be more inclined to buy a book that gives advice on how to play in a other world immersion style or mode. I like the idea of it being a mode because then you can play a narrative style or a story game, story first game style game in a immersive mode. I agree that immersion does often come from this idea of getting so far into the game that you have forgotten about everything else but the game. And yeah, looking up rules can easily break that immersion. And so depending on your ability to remember rules, as well as the trust that your players have at the table, less rules, or maybe there is an appropriate amount of rules for each GM. The the way I see the ultimate or the 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 full on immersion mode, other world immersion mode, is the players may have character sheets with numbers to represent their who they are uh, 
They may have descriptions and, and sort of, um, you know, they would need to have some way of understanding the, the roles that they play. You know, what would their character do and what wouldn't their character do? which is something that I find is lacking in, in today's games. And maybe it was lacking in, in the old games as well. Uh, but I feel like, you know, there is this sort of, there should be this idea of, you know, not, you know, uh, well, I wouldn't do that. Therefore, my character wouldn't do that. I, don't, I think that that should be taken out. Uh, your character has a certain set of boundaries and parameters that they operate within. Uh, you know, the, they're, they're, I don't know. It's hard to really explain. And I don't know how you would put it on paper other than, you know, we know that if you've got a strength score of, of X, you're only going to be able to do so much. Uh, if you've got a, an intelligence score of X, you're only going to be able to do so much. You're only going to be able to, you know, if you've got a really, really low base intelligence score, you might not be able to find your way out of a paper bag. And that should be how your character gets played. And those are the choices that that character makes. And because this is a team sport... You should not rely on the GM to make it easier for your character, but you should rely on your teammates to make it easier on that character. There's a role that everybody plays, and usually we end up playing a video game on a tabletop or a video game in theater of the mind. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's bad. And perhaps what we need to do is we need to, to come up with a specific rules of our own in terms of, you know, uh, what exactly are we presenting here and on what basis? Because we can go all over the map and people can actually, it's easier, I think, for people to point fingers at us and, and call us names but if we're operating from a specific thesis, we can always point back to that thesis and say, well, we are saying this in response to our thesis. Thoughts? It's possible you're wondering what that was about. Frank was commenting amongst friends, really, on one of the social media channels that we use, Telegram. And this chunk of conversation comes from discussing Daniel Jones's first interview on Otherworld Immersion. And I just wanted to share it because I thought there were so many useful things in there. Not least the idea that really we should define what our character won't do as much as we should think about what they will do. And we should be thinking about role playing. And I love the point that Frank made about it being a team game. It's a team sport thing. And actually that the party needs to work together and function together and support each other, not look to the GM to bail them out of difficult situations. Anyway, thanks so much for letting me share that, Frank. I really appreciate it. And yeah, now we're going to dive into some call-ins all around episode one of season seven. 
Hey, Chase Spencer here. I just wanted to say what a fantastic start to season seven. Purpose and engagement. I mean, when you said, you know, why do we role play? Um, I thought, well, we're back here again. But you instantly got my attention with the whole uh, three goals. Dream together. Step on up. And story now. Um, you even got me drawing out a little diagram and plotting my position on it. And, uh, yeah, it didn't really surprise me. I'm very much kind of right there between fellowship, discovery and dream together. Um, no real surprise there. But uh, really, really enjoyed that episode. Um, also, that bonus episode. Thank you so much for that second part of the Daniel Jones interview. A real treat. This idea of removing the meta uh, strikes me as very radical, but a very attractive approach. Uh, harks back to the early days of the hobby with the you know concealed roles and stuff. And I'm, I may be wrong, but I've got a feeling that in original D&D, wasn't it suggested that the DMs actually roll up the character stats for them? Um, I might have to check that out um and this kind of ties in with something that andy goodman was saying on a recent episode of expedition from the grizzly peaks about um what to do regarding expressing a character's thoughts and intentions because obviously this goes both ways and i've never really thought twice about expressing character thoughts in game because i thought it was just helping things along you know you know, coming from the angle of you know, helping the group to work as a group, um, to provide the GM with material that they can easily motivate the characters. But obviously, that's all meta, isn't it? It's potentially breaking immersion. Um, I'm interested to know your thoughts on that. If due to a lack of information, characters are acting at cross purposes or the GM doesn't really grasp what characters' true intentions are, is that going to derail the game? And Is that a fair price to pay for immersion? I'm inclined to say yes. I mean, if, if the dice are king, if the dice are divine providence, then everyone's intentions are at the mercy of the world. I realise I used the term derailed the game there, which is quite telling in itself. I, I'm thinking about these more sort of storytelling games as opposed to this non-directive emergent style of play. And how these, these, these games are more sort of postmodern in their aim to immerse people in the meta stuff if that makes sense you're immersing yourself in a genre in a kind of fiction as opposed to immersing yourself in a living breathing fantasy world um yeah just a lot to think about there and uh thank you very much for sharing it
Whoa, Spencer. Thank you, man, for calling in. Uh, Spencer there from Keep Off the Borderlands. And so much to think about. I'm trying to kind of pick up on a couple of the questions that you were asking. Uh, regarding Andy Goodman's um, sort of stuff about whether you should share the player character's thoughts, I've got to be honest, I didn't pick up on that. I thought I'd listened to almost everything by him, but um, I hadn't picked up on that, so I don't know where that was from, or something, maybe something I've missed, I don't know. Uh, just my thoughts on it were that I think it's really important to signal to the GM what your intentions are in your actions, but I think kind of... I'd always, I don't know, I sort of shy away from sharing what my character is thinking in this situation to the players. I think that should be perhaps coming out more through what you say and what you do in the same way that we kind of read each other um, in real life and both on the screen as well. You don't very often sort of pop into the head of the character to hear what they're thinking. I do think there is some truth in this idea that some ways of playing, some methodologies of play focus very heavily on sort of meta elements you know like i suppose what you mean by that is things like fate points and other such tools to help you drive the direction of play in terms of you know often in a story now game you want to have some direct control whether you're gm or player where you can kind of directly steer that man narrative and give it its pace and give it its ups and downs you know and um yeah maybe the maybe we're playing the story more than we're playing in the world i tend to feel that story now players and stepping up players really just treat worlds like a backdrop and for me dreaming together is that's what it's all about so that's the appeal and the attraction but i absolutely get that it's a minority thing and i absolutely get that not everybody plays in the way that i think about playing anyway thanks so much for your call in spencer i'm going to kind of hang my mic there and uh, it seems like you know, it's got a message from andy goodman although it seems like he's not best pleased um but anyway i'll let him speak for himself jay andy from expedition to the grizzly peaks here again um really enjoying your second interview with daniel although i'm finding now that i'm actually disagreeing with him a lot more than i was in the first interview maybe it's because i'm kind of sensing what kind of a gm he is and and I'm not that kind of a GM. And, and you know, there's, of course, room for all, all stripes. But um, if he thinks he knows every spell effect, I guess he hasn't run D&D 5e. Um, I still have players coming to me giving me canon official spells that I've never even heard of because they get released all the time in the supplements. Um, so I don't. I don't know them and I don't bother learning them and I just rely on them to tell me what the spell does. <laughs> yeah, it's all right if there's only 50 spells. If there's 550, it's a different matter. Also, I love the way you kept trying to push Daniel to say me mechanisms and he kept refusing and saying mechanics. <laughs> that made me laugh a lot. Actually, I really think they are two very different things. I have a very specific interpretation of what mechanism means and what mechanic means and they are not the same thing at all not to my understanding of the words so a mechanism to me is actually something that is constructed it is a machine if you like a device a series of interactions in physical form to produce an outcome and that's perfectly fine um to use as a metaphor for something in a role-playing game, but a mechanic is something much more granular and atomic doing a single thing. 
Very, very different in my mind. Anyway, use whatever word the hell you want. (laughs) All right. Perhaps displeased is too strong a word. But thank you, Andy, for your call-ins. Great to hear from you. I've not got a lot to comment on apart from um, pushing him to use term. No, it's just that I use that term and he doesn't. He uses a different term. I don't push for anything, to be honest with you. Um, I use those terms largely interchangeably. Although for me, a mechanic is somebody who fixes your car. But hey, yeah, like you said, use words how you want. And oh, just one other comment that I, I felt that um, I think Daniel's D&D is the original. Um, and you're obviously talking about 5th edition, which, you know, yeah, quite right. Uh, you're probably not going to memorize all the spells. Although, to be honest, you only need to know the spells that your characters in front of you have. So I guess it's not impossible. But, you know, I don't think Daniel and I would use 5th edition to try and achieve other world immersion. I think there are plenty of barriers that, that game would present. Not that it can't be done. I just think it might be easier with a different game. Well, that's my view anyway. Um, and also on the thought that uh, you might not like the kind of GM that Daniel is, I, I guess that's a very personal thing. So that's okay. And um, let's not kind of get too hung up on the taxonomy of Games Masters, I guess. Anyway, Andy, thanks for calling in. It's great to hear from you. Game on. If you're curious to learn more, please remember to favourite or otherwise bookmark this podcast in whatever podcast app you're using. This series is all about finding a route back to the table and improving our game. And I've got some interesting suggestions to share with you about your options. Of course, your story is unique and your journey will be filled with challenges. Perhaps together, as a community, we can learn to find an acceptance of our hobby. If you're using Apple Podcasts or an app that has an ability to rate the show, please consider giving Roleplay Rescue a five-star rating. It really does help. Thanks in advance. Game on. Hey, Jay. Mini one calling. So I just listened to Roleplay Rescue Evolved, I think it's called. And it's, uh, it's really good to hear you pulling everything together and giving a sort of retrospective of of the show and also where you intend to go from uh, here on. Um, Another thing that occurred to me is um, how different a lot of the podcasts are that we do here on Anchor and elsewhere, that many of the themes do sort of um, overlap one with the other, but we all have a very distinctive, I think, voice. Um, they, They sort of form quite an interesting harmony, which is a probably a silly way of looking at it but um it is lovely to hear everybody's voice um and people waxing lyrical about the hobby we love so anyway keep it up man and take care and it was great to speak to you the other day by the way anyway cheers hey jay it's arlen i am uh about halfway through season four but first i wanted because i've been keeping up with the present stuff i wanted to thank you for uh passing on my messages to daniel jones it was really cool to hear him respond to some of my stuff from the the conversation that you guys had um it's really neat to to get to hear him you know respond and um i didn't i didn't remember it was 23 collins that uh is a lot even for me so um i'll i'll try to tone that down in the future um but speaking of the going through roleplay rescue from the beginning 
it uh it's been really fun i've really enjoyed the way especially in the recent stuff that i've been listening to the season four stuff you've kind of come back to topics and expanded upon them and followed the sort of questions that the community has and uh, yeah the kind of expansion of solo play stuff the discussion of the mythic gm emulator the return of the flaky gm in particular i i mean we've talked before about how i i feel like i am always on the verge of becoming or becoming a flaky gm um and um yeah that uh it's it's really cool to hear this the sort of shared experiences and it's really cool the way that you have been able to develop the community and get the um you know the interviews off with all sorts of really interesting people you know um dave aldridge talking about his kind of history with world of darkness and then switching over to random tables and stuff in the the present that was a a really fun interview. And I, I mean, I like Dave and his podcast a lot too. So that's part of that. Um, but yeah, keep up the good work. I'm going to keep listening. Hey, Jay, Jason here. Sorry it took me so long to call you on this. Your second interview with Daniel was wonderful. Very thought provoking. I, I do think a DM could do combat and everything nowadays. I was watching on YouTube some of the fantasy grounds using a Rollmaster module. And it goes pretty quick. I really think you could do it. And, of course, with Rollmaster, it's evoking, it's helping you with the descriptions, right? So, and the same thing would be true, I, I suppose, the RuneQuest or Master, But with those systems or the descriptions of the damage done in combat, it, it helps you describe. It gives, it gives you prompts when you're describing the character's moves. So I think it is possible. Um, in fact... I'm putting together something, and I'll reach out to you separately, but I've got an idea for something where we can give this thing a shot. And that is the Vox Populi, the voice of the people. I hope that you found something of interest there, and I certainly enjoyed having all those callers calling in a special thank you to all of those guys. So in no particular order, thank you to Arlen Walker, Menion, Frank Turfler, Spencer, a.k.a. Free Thrall, Andy Goodman, Safer, and Jason. Seriously, we wouldn't have had an episode without you guys. Massive thank you. As ever, thanks are due to the loyal Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. I think there are around about 38 people now backing the show, and if you wanted to join them, just hop on over to patreon.com slash rpgrescue, and you can join the community. It's like a dollar to just be part of this whole thing, but if you go to $3, you get the episodes a few days early, which is kind of cheeky. Finally, thanks go to you, the listener for taking the time out of your day to listen to me and the others rambling on. Thank you so, so much. And on that note, I'm going to leave it. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. That was the Vox Populi. Game on. (laughs) 